are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Tuesday, January 18th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're listening to today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. It'll help me out tremendously. It'll only take a quick couple of seconds. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It's all for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good morning, everyone, and as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start your day. Last night, the Chicago Blackhawks, or I guess yesterday afternoon, technically, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks were back in action, facing off against a struggling Seattle Kraken team looking to make it to a season-long five consecutive victories out west, Uh, but unfortunately, not even close to a good enough effort out of the boys last night, specifically uh, in the third period and as the game went into overtime. So on the show today, as expected, I'll go over the Chicago Blackhawks coming up short to the Seattle Kraken last night as well as Marc-Andre Fleury's spectacular effort in net to keep his team alive. I'll also talk about Patrick Kane being able to extend his point streak to eight games as well. And then to finish things up on the show today, with the Blackhawks now nearly 40 games into the season, it's time to go over my midseason prospect rankings. All that and more right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. To start things off today, though, folks, let's take a deeper dive into the Blackhawks. 3-2 shootout loss to the Seattle Kraken yesterday. Uh, And as I talked about during my preview of the matchup on the episode yesterday, this was a Seattle Kraken team that, not only had they lost nine in a row, but also had lost 12 of their last 13 and were one of the worst worst teams in the entire standings. Only the Arizona Coyotes and Montreal Canadiens have a worse point percentage than the Seattle Kraken do. So, yeah, this was a massive opportunity for the Hawks to extend their winning streak to a season-long five games. Um, But what a disappointing effort we saw from this team last night, especially later on in the game. The third period and overtime were absolutely horrible. Like, it felt like the Blackhawks were going up against the Colorado Avalanche the way they were being handled. But no, this was the Seattle Kraken, one of the worst offenses in the league, one of the worst teams in the entire league overall as a whole. Um, and in those two periods, the third period and overtime, the Blackhawks, they got it handed to them. They were outshot 19-5 to in the third period and overtime. Just not nearly a good enough fight or, or enough uh, determination, really, to go and turn the tides of this one when, when things got tough there in the third period. And uh, just, just not enough hard work. And 
not enough done well to pick up a, a big two points here. It, it was really disappointing. Um, and the first two periods really weren't very good either, uh, specifically at even strength. The Hawks did get five power play opportunities total in this game, and that's where they generated a majority of their scoring chances. But overall, f from start to finish, at five on five, this was essentially all cracking. Let's take a look at some of the numbers here from last night's game. Shots on goal at even strength were 24 to 11 Seattle. The scoring chances were 26 to 9, and the high danger chances were 11 to 3. Only three high danger chances created by the Blackhawks at 5 on 5 last night. Not nearly good enough against one of the worst teams top to bottom in the NHL this season. So, uh, for, for that kind of offensive output, no no other way to put it, but extremely disappointing for a team that has been able to handle their business against a couple of other bottom feeders in the past couple of games prior. Uh, but kind of getting into a, a full game recap, the opening 20 minutes for a matinee game, I mean, it, it was a complete snoozer, the exact opposite of what you want when the game's at four in the afternoon. Uh, I think the shots on goal were like, eight to five in favor of Seattle or something like that. Neither team was able to establish a whole lot offensively, just kind of back and forth, back and forth. The, the Blackhawks, though, literally created nothing. Like, the, the pace was good, but I felt like they didn't even play with the puck at all. Like, they couldn't string together any consecutive passes and get some momentum generated forward from their end of the ice. It, it was not great. Um, espe yeah, especially for being, you know, a, a f supposed to be a fun matinee game, you know, at, at 4 p.m. or even worse, 2 p.m. out west in Seattle. This one did not get off to a hot start, uh, but thankfully in the second period, things got going and started to open up a little bit more, and uh, it started off with Eric Gustafson, actually, of all people, making a beautiful defensive play to break up a rush coming into the Hawks' defensive zone. Uh, and then once he made that sliding play to break it up, a tremendous outlet pass to find Dominic Kubelik for a breakaway, and then Kubi goes blocker side on Grubauer. That extended his goal streak to three games for his ninth tally of the year, and that put the Blackhawks ahead one to nothing midway through the second period. Just a few minutes later, though, the Hawks weren't able to build off of their momentum in the Kraken would answer right back, and I thought it was funny because uh, literally after Eric Gustafson was the one that made that entire play to spring Kubalik, by the way, that now gives Gustafson assists in all three games since returning from COVID protocol. He has been playing pretty nicely since coming back to the lineup, um, but after Gustafson literally made that whole play happen uh, to spring Kubelik for the goal. Just a couple of minutes later, it was funny. It was like, Eric Gustafson giveth, and Eric Gustafson taketh away. Uh, because both he and Jujar Kara went on to turn over the puck in their own zone, and then Vince Dunn gets it at the point. That dude's got a rocket. He blows it uh, past Flurry through some traffic. I believe it deflected off of Riley Stillman, um, and that tied the game one-to-one one just a few minutes after the Hawks grabbed the lead. So easy come, easy go there for Chicago. Um, but fortunately, after they took a couple of penalties in the first period, the, the Kraken got both of the first two man advantage opportunities in this one. 
Um, but the Hawks got three power play chances of their own in the second. And on the final one of the period, with just a few minutes remaining, Brandon Hagel wound up stuffing home a rebound for his second goal in as many games now. He's got 10 on the year. Patrick Kane picked up the secondary assist uh, to extend his point streak to eight games. He's been incredible lately. He's starting to find the back of the net again, which is always great to see. And then Dominic Kubelik also got the primary assist for his second point of the game as well. And that put the Blackhawks back ahead 2-1 to one, heading into the second intermission. But as I talked about earlier, that third period and overtime were actually abysmal from the Blackhawks and just a couple of minutes into the third they, they weren't even able to hold their lead for very long uh Ryan Donato just left Jake McCabe in the burners in transition that was uh definitely a tough look there for McCabe in his first game back from COVID protocol but Donato leaves him in the dust and then he goes on to beat Flurry with the shot and that tied the game two to two right out of the gate in the third period and it was like oh boy that didn't last very long. And after that, it was all cracking the rest of the way. I mean, throughout the remainder of regulation, uh, and even for the entire five minutes of overtime, like the Blackhawks did not play with the puck. They got outshot 19 to 5, and they had zero high danger chances in the third period. Nine to nothing in favor of the Kraken. The Blackhawks got dominated, um, but somehow Marc Andre Fleury wound up gobbling all the shots that he faced and forced this game into a shootout, but that was as far as he could carry this team. Donato and Donskoy were the ones that came through for Seattle in the shootout to give the Kraken the 3-2 victory to snap their nine-game losing skid. The Hogs do at least pick up one point, but um, hard to think about that when it was as sad as an effort as you could basically draw up. It was a, just a huge flop against a struggling Seattle squad. The Hawks had a chance to make it five in the row to head back to Chicago, uh, but instead they'll now be returning to the United Center following a tough loss on the West Coast to one of the worst teams in the entire NHL. All right, there are some quick thoughts on the Blackhawks. 3-2 shootout loss to the Seattle Kraken last night. Coming up in just a moment, I will get into Marc-Andre Fleury's incredible effort in net, as well as his latest trade rumors around the league. But first, I need to talk to you all about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season on more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season in the NFL marches toward the divisional round of the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action here in 2022. Head on over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use our exclusive promo code LOCKEDON, one word in all caps, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our exclusive promo code LOCKDOWN, one word in all caps, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Moving on into segment two this morning. I wanted to be sure to also talk for just a little bit about what Marc-Andre Fleury was able to do last night in his seventh consecutive start. And by the way, I talked yesterday on the show about how I thought it was going to be really interesting to see whether or not Derek King was going to give Kevin Lankinen this start against Seattle because, quite frankly, set up to be a pretty good one for him to return to against a struggling team. I know it was on the road, and you can't ever sleep on any NHL opponent, but that seemed like a good chance to get Lankin in his first start of the new year. Um, but turns out here, you know, wound up being a pretty good choice by Derek King because without the flower, no way in hell the Blackhawks would have been able to get a point out of this one. No way they would have been able to su- survive the third period in overtime. Uh, Flurry probably made, no joke, eight or nine A-plus stops late in the game. Like, Seattle was throwing the frickin' kitchen sink at them, but just couldn't find a way to get the puck into the back of the net. And there was even a funny moment or two where uh, Jordan Everly, a winger for the Kraken, was just like in complete disbelief of the saves that Flurry was able to come up with. He had a stick on his head, like, bending it in frustration. Uh, he made that beautiful backdoor pass to Jared McCann where Flower just sticks out the glove and robs him backside, and uh, Jordan Everly just had his head up to the heavens like, what is going on right now? That was seriously the type of game it was from Marc-Andre Fleury. It was remarkable, if you will, and... uh Even as frustrating as it was to watch the Hogs' defense crumble like that late in the game, um, it it was still really fun watching Flurry just just be on top of his game and be in one of those zones where nothing was going to get by him. Like he was in uh, just a, a different zone than everyone else was on the ice. He was the best player on the ice last night on either side, and it wasn't even close, frankly. Um, but unfortunate that. Uh, he and the Blackhawks both had their winning streaks snapped in the shootout. Um, but another beyond impressive effort out of Flurry and Net. And uh, I actually saw a stat, I believe it was going into last night. Well, I guess I can add this to it. But um, since Derek King has become interim head coach, Mark Andre Flurry is now 12 6 and 3 in that. So I guess 12 and nine, um, but the numbers have been absolutely fantastic. He's gotten those numbers, a goals against average below three, save percentage up in the nine teens. He's been incredible for the past month or two now. And, uh, literally each and every game, like each and every game he's starting for the Blackhawks, he gives this team a chance to win due to his play. And there's no better example of that than last night. Uh, and by the way, before last night's game. Fleury was actually named the NHL's second star of the week, going 3-0 and in his three starts last week, along with a 1.32 goals against average, a 9.57 save percentage, and one shutout, of course, um, came against the Anaheim Ducks on Saturday. That earned him the second star of the week, so congratulations to Flower for getting recognized for just his incredible effort. It's really been that level for a lot longer than just a week now, but 
Um, kudos to Mark Andre Fleury for getting recognized by the league for being so special, and uh, he picked up right where he left off in last night's game. Just sadly came out on the wrong end of the final outcome because the Blackhawks, as a team, let him down in front of them. Uh, but something worth also bringing up after. Flurry's spectacular performance last night is that, according to Scott Powers of The Athletic, in his post-game article, he wrote that there is a growing assumption by many around the league right now that the Blackhawks will, in fact, move Marc-Andre Flurry this season. Of course, there's a lot that goes into that. They would have to get Flurry's blessing and then also, you know, have to find a way to make it work both financially and Flurry also has a 10 team no trade clause so the spot also has to be right for him um but if Flurry were to get traded by the Blackhawks here what Powers was talking about in his article was that due to his you know impressive play in the past month or two he's really looked like the Vezina caliber guy that he was last season um there could be the possibility that the Blackhawks receive a first-round pick now in exchange for Flower, which, whew, at the moment, the team does not have one of those after the Seth Jones trade this past summer. And, you know, with the prospect prospect pool being rather thin outside of Lucas Reichel, you know, th- this team desperately needs to find a way to get a first-round pick. And um, I know some people are hopeful that maybe Flower will stay here past just this one-year stint that he has left on the final year of his contract. Um, But without a doubt, the Blackhawks' best chance right now at acquiring a first-round pick would be trading Marc-Andre Fleury. That's, without a doubt, their best chance at getting a first-round pick back. And again, there's a lot that goes into trading Fleury, but with him performing, you know, the way that he has recently, there's no doubt that the Hawks will have to eat some of the money in his contract, but that's only for the remainder of the season, and that could put the organization in a great situation, a whole lot better than they are at right now, because let's face it, outside of Reichel, which this is something I'm going to get into in a little bit, there just isn't a whole lot of high-end talent in the Blackhawks prospect pool, so um, expect the flurry trade talks to start picking back up here with uh, the Blackhawks desperately needing a first-round pick and also the trade trade deadline now nearing just two months away. One other thing I wanted to be sure to talk about from last night's game, though, as well, is that uh, defenseman Jakob Galvis was surprisingly made a healthy scratch by coach Derek King last night, despite Galvis performing rather well, I thought, in his first three NHL games of... uh, three first games of NHL action, I should say, and I think a lot of the listeners out there would agree with me, but both Caleb Jones and Eric Gustafson were placed into the lineup over Galvis last night, which Derek King said that was a decision he made out of respect for those two, and when I heard that, I actually scoffed, like, Kinger, what possible reason do you have to show respect to Jones and Gustafson for? Aren't they the ones that are supposed to be showing you respect? I get it goes both ways, don't get me wrong, but it's not like they're Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze here who have been with the franchise forever, and um, 
you know, have been there and done that throughout their careers and have reached the top of the mountain numerous times. No, like, this is Caleb Jones and Eric Gustafson we're talking about. It's not even close to being the scenario. Uh, I will say I understand not wanting to sit Gustafson, even though uh, he remains a liability in the defensive zone. The offensive production has been pretty good since returning from COVID protocol, and the Blackhawks need that. So I get that side of the spectrum, but quite honestly, Caleb Jones, I thought it, I thought he's been horrible. Like, he's been a turnover junkie in his own zone and really hasn't just been contributing anything. And to me, has shown nothing, like no reason to be in the lineup over Jakob Galvis. I know it's only three games out of Galvis, but I don't know. I just don't understand that. Like, I, I don't get why King feels that he needs to show respect to Caleb Jones over Jakob Galvis. Like, it's not like Caleb has been with the organization for a while, and Galvis is a guy who's worked really hard to, you know, kind of quietly climb up the prospect rankings and all of a sudden make an impact up with the Blackhawks. So that just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Didn't make a whole lot of sense at all. But now I'm even more interested to see what's going to happen to Galvis because uh, not only was Jake McCabe removed from COVID protocol recently, but earlier this morning, Seth Jones also officially cleared COVID protocol and will be able to rejoin the team once the boys hit the ice for practice later this afternoon, I believe. So uh, that would leave the Blackhawks with eight defensemen on their active roster. Someone's probably got to go. And maybe, you know, they keep Galvis around on the taxi squad, but... um, I'd more than likely guess that he actually will be returned to Rockford uh, in the coming days here. Despite performing very well so far, you know, I've thought in his first little NA... Oh, I actually... That's so funny. Good thing I looked at my phone before the end of the segment. The Blackhawks have officially reassigned Jakob Galvis to the Rockford Icehogs of the AHL this morning. So, um, along with Mike Hardman, Josiah Slavin, and... Kale Morris. So they're returning everybody now that um, it seems like they're on the positive side of this COVID thing, I say with my fingers crossed and knocking on wood. Uh, But Galvis now has officially been sent down to Rockford despite performing very well in his first NHL stint. So um, tough break there for Galvis. There just simply didn't appear to be the room for him right now. And um, Hopefully he'll be able to keep it up down in Rockford because I really like what I saw from him in his first three NHL games. All right, there are a couple of other thoughts on Marc-Andre Fleury and Jakob Galvis. Coming up in just a minute, it's time to get into part one of my midseason Blackhawks prospect rankings. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now on the show this morning, it's time to get into part one of my Chicago Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings. The Blackhawks, believe it or not, are now 39 games into the 2021-2022 season, so figure it's about time to start getting into all these midseason conversations. I'll have a bunch of Blackhawks beat writers and insiders and such on the show here in the uh, next couple of weeks to talk about everything from the first half of the season. Uh, And then also, 
with uh, a couple of recent midseason prospect rankings coming out that I've seen on Twitter, I figured now would be probably a, a pretty good time to drop my top 10 Blackhawks prospect list as we're now nearing the midway point of the regular season. Should be a ton of fun. Always something I enjoy going over with all the listeners and getting into discussions because don't get it twisted. I'm not a prospect expert. Believe it or not, I'm not in the scouting department for an NHL team. I know. Maybe one day. But um, if you don't disagree with one of my takes, then okay. You know, I'm not like... We all have different opinions. I don't know. A bunch of these kids are 18, 19 years old. It's hard to exactly project what they're going to be. So if you don't agree with something, um, it is what it is at the end of the day. This is just my list. Take it for what you will. Um, but first, as a quick reminder, I did want to go over my list that I had from the beginning of the season, just so you all can kind of see how things have changed here, at least in my mind, during these past couple of months. Uh, Back in October, my Blackhawks top 10 prospect list consisted of, at number 10 was Landon Slager, number 9, Wyatt Kaiser, 8, Alex Vlasic, 7, Evan Barrett, 6, I had a tie between Mackenzie Enwistle and Mike Hardman, both of which I'm having graduate from this list. Uh, Drew Camesso came in at number 5. Alec Regula checked in at number four. Nicholas Bodan was number three. Ian Mitchell was two. And then, of course, no shocker here, Lucas Reichel came in at number 21, or number 21, number one back in October. Uh, and I, if you noticed, one thing I did decide to do with that list was I left off 2021 top selections, Nolan Allen and Colton Dock, because... They, you know, the year before, they only had a shortened junior season, um, and I just wasn't able to get a, a really good idea of kind of what they were. I wanted to see what they would provide in training camp as well and just kind of get some, just get a better overall knowledge of what they w- were providing and um, kind of getting a better sense of their entire stats with the junior seasons returning back to, uh, you know, full this this year. So that's kind of how things drew up back at the start of the season. Again, Reichel was one, Ian Mitchell was two, Nicholas Bodan was three, Alec Regula was four, Drew Comessa was five, Mackenzie Entwistle and Mike Hardman came in at six together. Evan Barrett was number seven, Alex Vlasic was eight, Wyatt Kaiser was nine, and then Landon Slagert was number 10. Now, I hate to be a tease, but I'm not going to get into my actual top 10 list here on the show today. We only got a couple minutes remaining on the show. Uh, I'm going to dictate an entire episode later on in the week for that. I'm I'm not just going to run over those 10 names here real quick. No, I'm going to dictate an entire episode to that on the show here for the last couple minutes. I'm just going to be going over my honorable mentions for my list here at the midway point of the season. First honorable mention, I have Landon Slager dropping down from the number 10 spot earlier prior to the season. Um, and Slager, you know, it hasn't been a terrible year for him. There's not a huge drop-off here, I think, in my opinion. He was named to Team USA for the World Juniors back in December. Of course, that tournament, unfortunately, went on to be canceled due to COVID-19. Um, but just so far here in Slager's sophomore season with Notre Dame, we've seen the offensive production kind of 
heading the opposite way of what we wanted it to be doing. Especially after an impressive freshman year so far, Slager only has 7 goals and 8 assists for 15 points in 23 games played. That's not terrible by any means, especially for a young teenager, but in comparison to last year as a freshman, Slager had 8 goals and 14 assists for 22 points in 25 games played. So, just kind of due to the offensive numbers, taking a little bit of a step in the opposite direction that I had hoped. I had Slagert dropping from number 10 into, into my honorable mentions here, but I still do project him, you know, overall as being uh, a bottom to middle six grinder for the Blackhawks one day in the future. Then I also have both Isaac Phillips and Evan Barrett here in my honorable mentions as well. And Barrett, was actually number seven for me to open up the year, but uh, just has not been able to, to do a whole lot in his time down in Rockford and hasn't been able to consistently produce a whole lot of points. And that's, you know, what's kind of led to him not earning that first NHL call up yet, which a lot of people I think expected to happen for Barrett here sometime this season. Uh, so tough that he's kind of fallen off a little bit. And then Isaac Phillips, though. For being um, a fifth-round pick just two years back, he has progressed nicely so far with the Ice Hogs, and I think the Blackhawks have really been impressed by his, you know, ability to... Uh, he are, even got some NHL action earlier on in the year with a bunch of the Hawks defensemen being in, in COVID protocol. He's, you know answered the bell nicely for being a kid that was, you know, originally expected to still be playing junior hockey last season. I definitely think the Blackhawks have liked what they've seen out of Phillips so far. Um, kind of project him, though, to still be a third-pairing guy, potentially, one day down the line. Not a whole lot of offense to his game, but he does provide uh, some size and physicality on the back end. A couple of other guys I have here in the honorable mentions department. Defenseman Ethan Del Mastro, along with 2021 first-round pick Nolan Allen. I think both those guys kind of find themselves in the same category right now because they're really quite similar. Being defensive-minded defensemen, a lot of size to their game, good in their own zone, that's their bread and butter, but it's kind of the opposite, right, of what the Blackhawks drafted a couple of years back in the first round. We saw Adam Boquist, uh, Nicholas Bodan, even, even Ian Mitchell being a second-round pick, guys who, you know, were drafted for their offense and not exactly big you know, big body defensemen who are going to be um, top pairing guys. Um, so it's interesting to see this mix and match here. Um, but, you know, I, I think with the defensive game that both Allen and Del Mastro provide, like they're sturdy top pairing defensemen for both their junior teams right now. Allen's with the Prince Albert Raiders of the WHL, while Del Mastro is the captain of the Mississauga Steelheads out in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, again, I really like the defensive side of these guys' games, and, you know, there is always a possibility with that aspect that they could be like a Calvin DeHaan type, but it's just tough to, you know, project a, a very high ceiling for either of those two when, um, they don't really provide any offense whatsoever, but the Blackhawks clearly just wanted to add some size and physicality to their prospect pool on defense in this past draft, um, and I think both players are candidates to have candidates to be able to do that for the Hawks at the NHL level in their futures, potentially. The last player I have in my honorable mentions 
It was the last pick made by the Blackhawks in the 2021 NHL Draft. That was Jalen Lipen, or Snipen Lipen, as some of you may have heard him called on Twitter. Um, but Lipen is an overager for the powerhouse Edmonton Oil Kings of the WHL. The team was just absolutely loaded. Um, but so far, through 37 games, Lipen has 15 goals and 25 assists for 40 points and has been, you know, a huge part of that team's offensive success. So he's someone that's kind of stood out to me with what he's been able to do, just making the most of his opportunities. I will say, though, being only five foot ten, roughly 160 pounds, he's someone that will definitely need to get stronger for, you know, any hopes of advancing to the next level in his career, but uh, I think Jalen Lipen is someone worth keeping an eye on in this thin Blackhawks prospect pool because of the impressive four season he's had with the Oil Kings in the WHL so far this year. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Tuesday, January 18th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.